Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. What I find is that all of them were making statements that I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm not going to turn back. I'm going to uh, live my life to honor him, to, to, to lift him up, and to praise him with my life. And so uh, I just love it when we're able to do that and celebrate as a body of Christ coming together. Um, in our Bibles today, I would encourage you to take them. And we're going to finish up a series that we began back on the end of June. Actually, Pastor Dan kicked us off as he started on the, the parable of the talents. And today I'm going to finish up actually hitting kind of a Bible blitz. I, I call it the, the two-minute blitz. I, I had a lot of different areas I wanted to go today. Um, I had a message that I thought we were going to do on the vineyard worker. Thought it's Labor Day weekend. Let's talk about workers and, and some who got hired and, and worked 12 hours and some who got hired and worked uh, one hour and they all got the same pay in the end. I thought, that's a great Labor Day message right there. And then I thought, well, maybe we need to talk about Pharisees. And I had already had the title. I've been working on this for like three and a half months. It's called Masks. But I thought, man, eh, maybe too soon. So I decided, well, I'll hold off on another time. We'll do that one and uh, the whole idea. And we've been focusing on the kingdom of God, on sp aspects of our spiritual life, everything from prayer to preparedness for the coming of Christ. And as I began to, actually, this was on Monday during my devotional time, I started to think about all the rest of the parables that we're just not going to have time to cover in one series. And I started thinking, and there were a whole bunch of them that came to my mind that had this idea of just don't give up, don't quit, it's worth it, keep on moving. And, and as I was putting this together, I call it kind of the, the two minutes to go in the game, we're blitzing everything at you. And I want to share with you this morning, if I can, three quick parables of Jesus that are all on the same theme. We could have actually brought out another three or four different ones, but they're all on this idea that it's worth it don't give up, don't quit, don't fall short of the finish line. Give it everything you've got. Now we're going to begin the journey in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, in the course of three verses, we've got two parables. In fact, they're so short of parables, we probably should just call them similes, but they are considered a parable. And it starts in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The first one is the parable of the great treasure, the parable of the great treasure, and it's verse 44, Matthew chapter 13, here's what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, and when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. That sounds like uh, Black Friday shopping, right? Where you find what you want, stuff it underneath a bunch of stuff, go back, get your cart, come back, pick it up. I thought that was funny. I guess it wasn't. Uh, but uh, anyway, the idea is very simple. In fact, I, I gave you little note sheets. Uh, you wanted to download them. I gave you some little fill-in-the-blanks of what the big truth is. And it's actually a very simple truth. When you find something, the treasure of eternal life, it's worth giving up everything you have for that treasure. And that's really what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, it's simple. You find, a, you find a piece of land, that land has a treasure on it. Now, we don't know, it's probably a hidden treasure, but it could be a gold mine, it could be oil, it could be anything. He says, when you find something that is that precious and that priceless, he says, you will gladly sell everything you have and give it in exchange. Why? Because the kingdom of God is worth it. 
Then he goes in the very next verse and he gives us another one. He says this. It's the parable of the pearl of great price. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found the one, I love that, when he finds the one, when he found the one of great value, this idea of pricelessness, it's unique, it's unlike anything else, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. Now really, there are two parables that teach really the, the it's like two sides of a, of a coin. It's really the same teaching, and it's this idea that when you find what is precious and what is of great value, it's worth any sacrifice that you have to give in order to obtain it. When I was reading down through these, in fact, it's interesting, I didn't search out these parables as much as I felt like they sought out me. Because as I was sitting there and reflecting in my chair that I usually do my devotions with, I just had all these parables that started flooding to my mind, and these two jumped out right away. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, Phil, I am so precious. This thing of salvation is so incredible. Not only the the gift of eternal life, but the gift of forgiveness. All of it's part of the kingdom of God. All of it is part of what it means to be a follower of Christ. All of it is what it means to have a relationship with me. He said, Phil... When you find that, there is no sacrifice too great. There is no cost too great. Actually, what I thought about was some of the advice that I gave to my boys uh, when they were probably about the same age. And i got to be honest with you, I don't remember if it was Calvin or Wesley. I think I had the conversation with both of them just in a different way. Now, Wesley's not a big dater. In fact, he's really picky. He, he's kind of that guy who's looking for that perfect person, and he wants to know that this is the person. i I got to be honest with you. I take kind of a different view. I say, hey, Wes, it's okay. You don't, have to, you don't have to go steady the first time you go out with somebody. Just kind of relax and just kind of you know, go out with a group and just go out as friends. It's okay. If you, if you treat a girl with respect and you, you're true to her heart, it's okay. You can do that. And Wesley, he just, we talked about that. And I remember him saying something which sounded so funny from him. He said, Dad, one of the hard things about going out is, he said, there are so many girls. And he said, there are some really pretty girls out there. And he said, it's hard for me to imagine that, that there would just be one girl. <laughs> and by the way, some of you girls feel the same way about boys. And I, I get it. We, I was that age one time, 180 years ago. I was there. And I looked at him and I said, oh, Wes, there's going to be a day when you find the one. And I said, and it, you'll know it. And she will catch your heart and you will know this is the girl you want to spend the rest of your life with. And I said, and when you come to that point, it, will not, it won't even feel like a sacrifice to say no to any other person out there. By the way, you do know that's the way it's supposed to go, right? <laughs> when you say, I do, what you're really saying to everybody else in the world is, I don't, okay? <laughs> Only, he, she's my wife, he's my husband, everybody else, off limits. That's the way it's supposed to work, right? I said, when you find that person, it won't even feel like a sacrifice, But by virtue, you are making a sacrifice, right? When you say yes in marriage, you're saying no, that's a sacrifice. And so when I thought of that, it's kind of like this whole idea of the kingdom. Jesus says, hey, when you find what you're looking for, 
This won't even feel like a sacrifice. Let me take you to the last one we're going to look at today. Now, we, we could go on. I mean, we could look at other parables. But the third one is the one that I call the parable of the shrewd dude. <laughs> He's the shrewd manager. In my notes, I put shrewd dude. I have been actually reflecting on this thing for three months. And Jesus, Luke chapter 16, verse 1, Jesus told his disciples that there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot manage any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? Well, 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, well, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 400. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill, make it 800. The master, now get this, this is one of the, I got to tell you, this is one of the most counterintuitive passages in all of scripture. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, because someday it's going to be gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. That's the point right there. We could easily do a, a message on on finances, on money, how Jesus views money. A number of the parables deal with this whole idea of wealth. Uh, the next parable that comes up in Luke is a rich man and Lazarus. And we could, we could probably come up with a, a real quick theme where we look at this and say, okay, well, money, money is a, an issue of trust, right, from the, from the master, and money is an issue of, of uh, it's a tool to be used for the kingdom, and money really is a test of our character, and we could do a whole thing on money, but that's not the biggest point being made in this passage. The big overriding point in this passage is that Jesus says there's going to be a day where your wealth will be gone, and your ability to do labor will be gone, and you better today prepare for that day when your ability to put anything away for eternity is gone. The way, I, the way I put it in my note sheet is this. Make sure that you use the short time you have to make investments in eternal things. See, Jesus wasn't commending, and by, can, I, can I just say this? I am never hiring this manager, okay? This guy is never going to work for me. He is never going to be the business uh, financial officer of Colonial Woods, amen? Okay, he's not, he's not going to have anything. He's not going to manage my personal finances, okay? Jesus is not commending him for being dishonest. What he's commending him for doing 
is that he realizes that there's a day coming when he will not any longer be able to make investment and he's going to have to live off of what he put away for eternity's sake. In fact, the very last phrase is what should put this into understanding. He said in the very last phrase, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus isn't telling you how to manage your finances. Jesus is not telling you in this passage, you're supposed to be dishonest. He's not telling you to, 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 uh, to, uh, to treat people dishonestly. What Jesus is helping us to understand is that you better plan for today, for the day in which you'll no longer be able to put anything in your eternal account. And it is a powerful, powerful picture. Tammy and I are having conversations today, that, and we're having it more often than what we have ever had before because we're starting to talk about retirement. And you're saying, wait a minute, what do you mean by retirement? Well, I, okay, we're, we're 13 to 17 years away from retirement. <laughs> you're going, well, what are you talking about it for? Because uh, 30 years ago when we started ministry, we were 45 years away from retirement. And let me tell you, it's a lot closer today than it was 30 years ago. I mean, when we were 21 and we started this whole thing of ministry and we did the carpet business and all that stuff, it was such a distant, I mean, some of you are sitting here today and you're going, oh man, pastor, I, I don't even, I'm not even have a job yet. What are you talking about? I'm not even through school yet. I know, but it goes like a blank. It really does. I'm looking down here, Marshall, I'm looking right at you, buddy, right? You know what I'm saying, right? It just goes. And so since we are thinking that we're somewhat normal, and the normal persons, they usually retire somewhere between 65 and 68 or whatever it's going to be by that time. Social Security will probably be like 85 for me. But anyway, whenever we get there. And so we're starting to think about it now. And so we've had conversations like, well, what kind of house is the right kind of house for us to live in? We don't, we don't need a big house. We just need something modest. And hey, you know what? Um, would it be possible for us maybe go to, I got to tell you, I never like going to Florida. Every year I get older, the more time I'd like to spend in Florida when it's cold. I, I, I'm like, you know, I could say, I remember you used to say, I'd like to go down there for two weeks. And now I'm like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind going down there in a, for a month. And now I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe it wouldn't be bad for six weeks. I'm still not a guy who would spend all winter down there, but I could see why people like to go down there and visit once in a while. Or we've thought about, well, you know, would we be the kind of person who might want to maybe have a lake place? Would that even be possible? Um, are we going to be able to retire? Do we need to keep working while we retire? All those little questions. And here's the deal. I don't know everything, but I know this. You don't wait until two years before you're ready to retire to start thinking about retiring. You don't start thinking about eternity when you're in, return, when you're in eternity. And Jesus said, be thinking about that. We always think of salvation as being free, and it is. But the only reason it's free is because you can't buy it, and you can't pay for it. And remember this, just because salvation is free to us does not mean that it didn't cost Jesus everything. And oh, by the way, you can't earn salvation. It's a gift. But Jesus said, it'll cost you everything. He said, if you want to follow me, he said, 
You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. You've got to be willing to give up everything. Now, now, does that mean we do give up everything? Of course not. We still have life and we have families and we have relationships. But he says, but I want you to understand that when it comes to this thing of eternity, you've got you to live today with everything you got. But remember, eternity's coming. And it'll be worth it. There is no cost too high. There is no sacrifice too high. There is no effort that is too much. It'll be worth it. And sometimes we lose track of that, don't we? We, kind of, we get discouraged. I mean, we, get, we go through a time of loss or betrayal or maybe things are going really great and we kind of get distracted or maybe things are going really bad and we get kind of fogged in and cloudy. And the fact is, he says, give it all. Um, I was uh, reminded of a story this last week that I actually heard a couple of years ago. Florence, her name is Florence Chadwick. Florence Chadwick was one of the great American long-distance swimmers, uh, female swimmers. She was uh, the first woman to ever swim both ways on the English uh, Canal. That's like 21 miles each way, and she swam that. First person ever, first woman to ever do that. By the way, set a a record each time. Um, In 1952, she decided she was going to try the next leg. There's there's several. If you're a long-distance swimmer, there's evidently certain kinds of things. It's kind of like certain mountains if you're a mountain climber. There are certain things. uh, The the Straits of Gibraltar is another one. If you can get across there, it's like 27 miles. I mean, this is is serious stuff. And so she was going to swim from Catalina Island, which is 20.1 miles off the coast of California. She was going to swim the Pacific Ocean to the mainland California. And so in 1952, the day that she had chosen to do this, she had her support boats. The media was made aware. She got into the water. They said it was a chilly day. It was kind of icy. It was fog-bound. It was, said it, it was said that it was so bad that she couldn't even see her support boats. That's how foggy it was. And she got in the water, and she began to swim. And she swam, and she swam, and she swam. She swam for like 15 hours. And she finally just said, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it. I think I have to give up. And her mom was cheering her on from the support boat. And she said, honey, you're not that far. You're not that far away. And she ultimately gave up. And they had to bring her into the boat. And she was within a half mile of shore. And the next day when the media was asking her all kinds of questions, she said, you know, the fog was so thick And she said, I couldn't see the shore. And I feel like that if I could have seen the shore, I think I would have kept swimming. I don't think I would have given up. And you know, sometimes in eternity, you look and it seems so far away and it seems so impossible and it seems like the finish line is so hard and you don't realize in eternity's sake how close it really is. And we get discouraged And Jesus says, don't give up. It's worth it. It's worth it. I I went through a couple of phrases really quickly. I noticed them on the screen. I'm just going to say them again. He says, there is no cost too high for that which is priceless. There is no sacrifice too great for that which is eternal. There is no effort that is too much to gain what is going to last forever. I was reminded uh, in our first hour, I, I was just thinking about it, the old chorus we used to sing, it will be worth it all. When we see Jesus, it'll be worth it all. 
This last week, um, Pastor Dan and I were sitting in my office and we were having our, our bi-weekly um, meeting. And I began to share with him what God was putting on my heart because this, this was a total blitz. It was a total uh, change from where I thought I was going to go this weekend. And as I began to kind of preach through the message, what was on my mind, he said, oh man, he said, I just saw a clip on Facebook yesterday that reminds me of exactly what, you, what, you're, what you're talking about. And it comes from the movie Facing the Giants. And after I looked it up, I thought this is the perfect illustration of what God wants to do in our life. Let's watch it. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. <laughs> 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You gonna give me your best? I'm gonna give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. It's so hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit! No! Keep going! Keep going! Keep going! Don't quit! Don't quit! Don't quit! Brock Kelly, you don't quit! Keep going! Keep going! Go, Brock Kelly! You don't quit on me! No! You keep going! You keep going! Go, Brock! Ten more steps! Ten more! Ten more! Ten more! Keep going! Don't quit! Give me your heart! You can! You can! Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. I love that clip. 
Imagine Jesus with a red hat on. Whistle around his neck. Saying, child, you feel like you're out of strength. Don't quit. You feel like it's such a long way off. Don't quit. You feel like this is costing too much. Don't quit. He says in Luke chapter 13, he says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will try and they won't be able to. Hebrews 4 says, there remains for God's people a Sabbath rest. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. 2 Peter chapter 1, he says, we have these great and precious promises. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter 3, but the day of the Lord is going to come like a thief. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and at peace with him. Translation, don't quit. It's going to be worth it. I have an 80-year-old retired pastor friend. I just love him and his wife, and I try to stop and see him as often as I can. His wife is facing some real challenges physically right now. And I was chatting with him this week and I said, um, I said, Fred, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him it'll all be worth it. Don't quit. That's my message. And he said, no, don't tell him that, Phil. Tell him it is worth it. He said, it's not just going to be worth it. He said, it's worth it today. He said, I would never give up. I would never give up what God has done in my life. He said, it's already worth it. It's just going to be even more worth it when we get there. So, Father, I pray today for one who their arms are given out, that you would strengthen them, and their legs feel like they might be buckling, that you would give them strength upon strength and enabling upon enabling. For the one who perhaps feels as though they've gone through a great loss, Lord, I don't diminish the loss. I pray that you would comfort them in the loss and that, Lord, they would just continue to run for the finish line. For the one who perhaps feels like the fog is so deep right now in their, in their eyes and their life that they, they don't even know how to keep going, I pray, Father, that you'd give them a vision that comes from you because this life really is, I mean, whether it's 95 years or 
75 years or 55 years or 35 years or just a short amount of time in this world. It's all a blink when we say what, when we see what awaits us. So encourage, strengthen, and once again call your people to you that they find, might find strength for the days ahead. We love you, Lord, and we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.